Well, you always want to put together at least a 13-week cash flow forecast. So you're going to start with how much cash do I have right now, how much money is going to be coming in over the next week, and how much money is going to be going out over the next week. Welcome to the Biz Power Hour podcast, where we discuss all things related to your business in sales, marketing, software, and strategy, bringing you the industry-leading experts with uncut and unedited advice, opinions, and actionable takeaways. Sit back and relax. This is the Biz Power Hour, and it begins now. Hello, and welcome to the next episode of the Business Power Hour. This is your host, Daniel Bushes. In this month's episode, we have the Accounting Masterclass, Understanding Your Cash Flow. And our special guest is the CEO of Optima Office, Jennifer Barnes, who's going to help walk us through clarity of the cash flow and how you as a business owner is going to understand your numbers better to run a more effective business. Without further ado, I'd love to introduce Jennifer. If you can take just a few moments so people can understand about Optima Office, who you guys serve, what you do, and maybe a little bit about yourself. That'd be great. Sure. Well, thank you for having me, Daniel. Optima Office, we do outsource accounting, and this is for businesses between the startup stage up to 50, 60 million a year in revenue. Every single industry, we either fill the gaps in an accounting department or we act as the entire accounting department. Now, what's nice about what we do is that you don't want your CFO doing data entry and you don't want your bookkeeper or data entry person trying to be your CFO, managing your cash flow and other financial analysis types of things and looking at your key performance indicators because they're certainly, um, they may be willing to do it, but they're usually not capable at the bookkeeper level to act as a, as a high level resource. So we fractionalize our people to each of our business clients and make sure that they have exactly what they need to be successful. You know, that might mean a day, a week of an accountant, bookkeeper level person, and then maybe a couple days a month of, as a controller or a CFO. So we are generally on site at our clients, but we also service a lot of different companies who aren't in San Diego or Arizona, which are our two home bases. So if a client wants us to work remotely, we can if they want us on site then we're certainly uh, happy to be a, a part of the team on site with them. Great. So just, I mean, I know for me, I'm, I'm not as well versed as I probably should be in accounting. So just to kind of cover over some of the services before we jump into like the, the, the great stuff about cash flow and understanding numbers. So you guys will, you have the capabilities of doing bookkeeping um, you have the capabilities of doing um, like fractional CFO, like chief financial officer, like really talking high level strategy about numbers. Um, and you also have the capability of filling in everything in between. Like you had mentioned comptroller um, and, and day-to-day accounting needs that any, any company would do. And you can do remote and you also can offer actually on site where they're sitting in the, the company's offices. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people say, oh, that's okay. I've got my, my bookkeeper can handle that. And oftentimes a bookkeeper can be great at the day-to-day transactional accounting, entering receipts, expenses, paying bills, making sure the bank and the credit card is reconciled, but doing the full close of a balance sheet, making sure that the balance sheet is accurate. And then what I mean by that is every single account in the general ledger 
on the balance sheet should move on a monthly basis. Unless, of course, it's retained earnings or security deposit. That's not going to move unless you move out of your building or, you know, at the beginning of the year, your retained earnings is going to change. But this is a, this is a higher level resource who's really going to make sure that you have accurate and timely financial statements, that your books are closed perfectly, that you have all of your payroll has been entered properly, and then they're going to be taking a step further. So a controller is really looking at the health of the business and they're managing the accounting department. They're looking at the various key performance indicators that drive profitability in a company. And that is looking at not only cash flow, that is looking at what is my margin by business product, by revenue line item, by customer. So it's really slicing and dicing your data at a higher level and making sure that you're strategic in the decisions that you're making. So if all of that is done well, your CFO should then take all of the financial information and be able to be very strategic and forward-looking. So they should be not looking in the past as much as they are looking in your future and taking all the information the controller and the accounting team put together and using that information to help the business owner make more strategic decisions and really worrying about the health of that company and how that they can grow successfully, if that makes sense. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. And I, I think that's a, what you've done is done a really good uh, job of describing the different roles because I, I think a lot of times people don't understand the intricacies of each layer of accounting that works up from an organization. Um, and I think that obviously that just comes over time and over size of a company. So if you're looking at a company that, you know, let's say, for example, is, you know, a few million dollars, right? So they're not at, you know, a hundred million dollars or more. They're a few million dollars. Um, they, they arguably might not have all those levels of um, those roles within, a organ, within their organization. Would that be accurate or would, is that a wild guess? Yeah, no, I would say businesses under 10 million generally don't need anybody in the accounting department full-time 40 hours a week at one level. That's why the outsource model makes so much sense. Now, if they are going to have a 40-hour-a-week person, that's probably going to be a staff accountant. They're there every single day, day-to-day, making sure everything's been done at a transactional level. But having a full-time controller, 40 hours a week of a controller doesn't usually make sense for businesses under 10 million. And it definitely doesn't make sense to have a full-time CFO, unless of course you're raising funds, you're doing a merger or an acquisition, you're in some kind of high level fundraising activity that you need a full-time CFO, that might make sense. But many of the small business customers we're probably talking about aren't doing those types of activities. And so outsourcing it means I can have one day a month of a CFO or maybe it's one day a week of a CFO. Maybe it's two days a week of a controller with two days a week or three days a week of an accounting manager, followed by three to four days a week of a staff accountant. So it's really slicing and dicing your accounting team to make sure that the right person is doing exactly what they're good at. Well, I can speak from my perspective. I mean, um, you know, we're, we're a growing agency. Um, we're under 10 million, um, but we're, you know, we're obviously we're we're growing, and so we're hitting you know the point where we're in the million dollars and more. 
So with kind of that, and I'll just talk from my own perspective, and I know that you deal with companies that are, you know, anywhere from startup phase to, you know, $100 million or more. So you've, you've you know, serviced and, and advised with clients at all levels. But that being said, I mean, I, you know, I know from a smaller business perspective, you and I have had discussions and our entrepreneurs organization group and other things about specific numbers that you should be looking at as health indicators for cash flow. And I'd say arguably and, you know, networking events and, and different forums and talking with clients that we advise from a marketing perspective, I'd say arguably about roughly 99% of those people really don't understand their numbers. And so I know that you do really well in regards to what's important, what things that um, any business should be really looking at. And I know this is a tough question for you because it's like, hey, the, the, the catch-all or the fix-all for every industry and every business, which is impossible. But I'm sure you probably have some advice on, you know, key numbers or key health indicators that businesses or business owners should be really keeping an eye on. Um, what might those be or, or what are your thoughts around that? Well, first and foremost, every single company should have an accurate balance sheet. And if a company is operating on a cash basis, then it's really hard for them to manage their cash appropriately and to have an accurate balance sheet. So I always want to make sure that if a company is having cash accounting, maybe that's okay for taxes. I, at Optima, we're a cash basis taxpayer, but we do accrual for our books. And a really quick example that I like people to pay attention to is, let's say you pay most of your insurance policy in February. Let's say you make a $6,000 down payment on your insurance policy in February, but then you have a couple more payments throughout the year that's going to equal $12,000 total for insurance. Well, really divided by 12 is $1,000 per month. So what you should be booking in your accounting software is $1,000 a month for the insurance expense. And the initial $8,000 payment that you made or $6,000 payment, that should go into prepaid expenses. You're prepaying something, prepaying an asset that's going to last you at least a few months. And then every payment that you make towards insurance all goes to prepaid. And then the journal entry should be reducing prepaid which is a credit, and it should be debiting insurance expense of $1,000 every month. So if you're doing that part right, we can at least depend on the balance sheet numbers. Now, once we have an accurate balance sheet, and we know that the numbers are correct, and the numbers are moving monthly, then we can take that and we could forecast out a balance sheet. And the most important thing that I want to see when I look at somebody's balance sheet is do they have more assets than liabilities? So you're going to take your current assets divided by your current liabilities, and that's called your current ratio. And if it's greater than one, that's good. That means that you now have more assets than you have liabilities. Now, if you have a million dollars in assets, but you have $2 million in liabilities, that's not necessarily good. That means you owe twice as much as you have in assets. So what I always like to encourage business owners to do is really focus on increasing your assets and decreasing your liabilities, or at least getting to the point where you have more assets 
then you have liabilities. Because the worse that number were to get, the likelihood of bankruptcy or insolvency increases dramatically. So current ratio is probably one of my top ratios that I look at for a business because I want to make sure that they're not going to be insolvent and they're not going to go bankrupt. And we truly can help them get to a point where their current ratio is two or three or four would be amazing. So current ratio is important. Um, And then let's say they have accounts receivable. Most businesses have accounts receivable, but of course there's businesses that don't. And so if you have accounts receivable, you want to look at your days outstanding. Are your days outstanding 30 days or 90 days? Or is it more than that? Anything over 45 days is slightly concerning because you want to make sure that you're collecting from your customers as quickly as possible. And if you're letting them go past 30 days, then there there should probably be a special circumstance in which you're allowing that. At Optima, currently, we're only 20 days outstanding. So that means almost all of our customers, we have about 100 clients, they're all paying within 20 days of receiving their invoice. That helps me from a cash flow perspective be a lot more successful because if I'm constantly playing catch-up and I never have money in the bank, that would make my life pretty difficult, um, especially running a professional services company where cash is pretty important and you are constantly paying your employees well before your clients are paying you. So days outstanding. That's another really important ratio that I believe customers should be really paying attention to. And a really simple trick is if a customer is past 45 days, let's say your terms are 15 days and your customer's 45 days, I like to send out an invoice on pink paper. I know that sounds silly, but you can send an invoice out on pink or yellow paper. I don't know what it is. Accountants hate pink and yellow in their stack. So those bills tend to get paid pretty quickly. So it's literally physically print out invoices on pink paper, mail it out, and you'd be surprised you'll get an influx of, of payments that you may or may not have expected to come in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's funny, can, but it, does, it, it actually works. It's, uh, it's something that, that, that truly works. So those are a couple, you know, in terms of in, looking at your assets, having that high current ratio, and then obviously making sure that your day is outstanding, um, is, is low. Those are two important things that, that really do affect cash pretty quickly. Yeah. And I know what you're talking about, when you're talking about, okay, so if you're, let's just say for the example, you're talking about like a service business, right? Like your business. So if you're paying for basically services rendered, which is, you know, your team, your, your staff, and then you're waiting for a collection of payment from the client, um, I would imagine that you probably kind of going back to the other thing you mentioned, that you probably need some kind of cash runway to make sure that your bank account has enough money at all, at all times, right? Is that something that's important for a business to have? And is there any kind of magic number to that? Well, I'd like to have three to four months cash on hand, ideally, looking at your operating costs and saying, you know, it's going to cost me $100,000 a month to run my business. So you don't want to have $20,000 in the bank. Right? You, you want to try to have at least one month's cash on hand. And then if you don't have one month's cash on hand, you want to try to have a line of credit at your disposal or a loan. There's SBA loans. There's you know, CDC-type loans. You know, go to your local bank and, and just make sure that you have a backup plan. 
So people run out of cash and they can't make payroll. That's obviously devastating to the business and you can lose people. So I always like to say, you know, three months is great. If you can have more than that, that's fantastic. If you have less than that, it should really be a goal. Um, and with cash, another really important metric is your burn rate. How fast are you burning through cash? So understanding your burn rate, understanding how much money do I need on a monthly basis will help you determine how much cash you need in the bank as a goal, right? That's pretty important to understand how much cash am I burning through. And then with that said, you also want to know what is my break even? How many sales do I need to make every single month in order to break even? And since breaking even isn't the goal, you want to at least make a profit unless you're a not-for-profit, but then you still want to have money in the bank and you still want to be able to support the not-for-profit. You know, it's, it's really understanding how much cash do I burn through and what is my break even so that I know if I want to make 10% margin or 20% margin, you can kind of reverse engineer it. If you know how much you're burning through, how do you calculate your break even point and then how much in incremental sales do you need on a monthly basis to get to the profitability number that you want to make? And, and oftentimes a business owner is not even going to include their own salary and you're not breaking even if you're not paying yourself. So include your business owner, at least, at least a reasonable salary that you should be making Include that in those figures and don't exclude yourself as a business owner because what's the cost of replacing yourself, right? If you were to have somebody else do your job, how much would you have to pay them? And so until you actually put that number in your forecasting, then you're not breaking even yet. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. Um, so we're talking about, we're talking about your cash burn rate. We're talking about the, the break even number. Um, and so what other things are you, are you looking at or what other things should they be looking at? Cause I know I'm over here and I'm, I'm writing notes from what you're saying and I'm, I, I'm thinking, gosh, I don't know if I know my cash burn rate, which is probably pretty important to know if you know that based off of, if I know I'm going to get X amount of dollars per month based off of contracted services, um, but I don't know my cash burn rate. At what point in time do I have to replace that because I've spent through the money and we need new sales? Well, you always want to put together at least a 13-week cash flow forecast. So you're going to start with how much cash do I have right now? How much money is going to be coming in over the next week? And how much money is going to be going out over the next week? Now, you can do it in one-week increments. You can do it in two-week increments. Personally, I like to do it in two-week. So payroll my payrolls are on the 10th and the 26th, or I'm sorry, the 25th. And so what I like to do is have my cash flow forecast go from the 26th to the 10th, and then from the 11th to the 25th. And I know I include each payroll in that number. I include how much money I know is going to be going out. Are we going to be making a credit card payment? Are, are we going to be spending money on marketing? Are we going to be, and hopefully we're spending money on marketing, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> people far too often aren't spending money on marketing and, and they find themselves wondering why they don't have sales coming in. But looking at how much am I spending and then putting out the cash flow forecast. How much money can I expect to get in based on what I'm selling per month? How much I expect to collect? And then pushing that out 
for 13 weeks. So a whole, a whole quarter, 13 weeks is essentially a quarter. So for the next three months, how much am I going to get in? How much am I going to spend? Let's put it out in one week or two increments. And then you adjust it every single week, every couple days. You're constantly reforecasting, but you keep your original forecast for that three month period on one tab, and then you reforecast it on a second tab. And then that way at the end of the quarter, you can see how close was I and where was I off and what do I need to adjust for next time so that I'm not off, or at least I'm pretty close. I'm someone that manages my cash personally still, even though I'm the CEO of the company and I have a full accounting team. I like to personally manage my cash because that's my background and it helps me keep my eye on the ball. But if you don't have a formal accounting training and finance background like I do, then you should really make sure that you have a good controller or CFO or somebody that's managing your cash and giving you that report every single week so you know what the score is and how much money you're going to need for the future. And if you are going to possibly run out, then you're going to need to get financing or a backup plan. I mean, one of the most important jobs of a CEO is making sure that you always have plenty of capital in order to run your business. And if you're ever at risk to run out, you better know that well in advance. And if you're not doing a 13 week cash flow forecast and adjusting it weekly and looking at it weekly, then you're kind of flying by the seat of your pants. Or you just have so much money, it doesn't really matter. And then in which case, I guess you won't be listening to this podcast because you have so much money, you don't need to worry about cash. <laughs> yeah, you've already, fi- you've already figured it out somehow, right? So um, I-, I think this is, this is really, really great advice. Um, when it comes to this 13-week forecast, I know you mentioned CFO and you talked about a comptroller. Um, I know the space that most of the clients that we play in, they're, well, some of them are, you know, 50 million, some are 25 million, but there's a lot of clients, at least from our agency. And I know you deal with all level of clients, but I'm just talking about from a personal perspective, a lot of them are, you know, 5 million right around their annual revenue. So I would imagine they might not have a CFO. Maybe they don't even have a comptroller. I'm sure they have an accountant or a bookkeeper, is this some kind of report that like a bookkeeper can do or in your professional advice, like, no, you, you should probably hire someone like Optima to develop and oversee this. I mean, I'm just wondering from like a, a smaller perspective of someone, you know, if they're listening to this saying, this is amazing, but how, how do I, how do I create this? Well, you should definitely hire Optima. That's, that's, that's a no brainer. Um, <laughs> right. Nobody. If, if somebody isn't using an outsourced service or a fractional controller or CFO or even a really high-level senior accounting manager, they really should get some checks and balances. No, a bookkeeper is not going to be able to do high-level cash flow forecasting and analytics and meet with the business owner monthly to really discuss that. Now, if they were capable of that, they probably wouldn't have a bookkeeper title. They'd have a controller title. So mm, if somebody is depending, okay. one of their most important assets is cash and they're relying on their bookkeeper to manage all of their cash, that's a pretty risky scenario in, in my view. Um, so if, if it's not Optima that, that somebody hires on the outsourced accounting space, then hopefully it's somebody. There's some checks and balances and segregation of duties, and you're not allowing one person to manage all of your cash and manage all of your accounting. We are happy to do 10 hours a month of a controller, help to manage cash, help to look at the budget, helping to look at, you know, what are, the, what are the key performance indicators that are most important to this business? How do we forecast out the balance sheet? 
How do we forecast out the cash flow statement? And then are we really helping this company drive profitability? Because a really good controller or even 10, 15 hours a month of a really good controller can actually make a huge difference to a company. And so that's why we charge hourly. And if a company needs one day a month or one day a week, it's all pretty flexible. But we just want to make sure that if it's not us, that somebody has our eye on the ball and is getting that cash flow forecast done on a weekly or biweekly basis and really presenting it to the business owner in a manner that they can understand. Now, one of the things that you're, because you're talking about this controller and controller and you were also talking about earlier some other metrics, you know, what's your break-even point, what's your burn rate, and like all these other things that you've, you've been speaking about. Um, so a controller, it sounds like to me, if I'm a CEO and I know me, I'm a, I'm a marketer, so I'm a creative person, so numbers, I, I can assure you, are not my strong suit in the least bit. So if I'm a CEO and I need to know, should I hire an additional person in this area? Your comptroller could basically look at the numbers and say, well, this is your average profitability per staff member. And based off of X, Y, or Z, this is going to potentially be a smart investment for you or looking at your burn rate or other things. You really don't, you really can't afford it. You think you can, but you can't. Like, are those things that a comptroller can help a CEO or at least a business owner? Um, can, can they help in those decision areas? Yes. I mean, a controller, comptroller, CFO, these are high level activities. I don't know many bookkeepers that can calculate the burn rate and, and the break even point and be able to manage and forecast cash. So, usually, it's going to be somebody a little higher level. A really good controller is going to cost about $140,000 a year. Um, on the light end, maybe a good controller costs $120,000 a year. But then, of course, you've got paid time off. You've got benefits. You've got sick. You've got workers' comp. You've got payroll taxes. So that all of a sudden takes the overhead rate of the $120,000 person. Let's just say it's even 15%, right? So you're, you're looking at almost $140,000 for a good controller, and most small businesses don't need that, nor can they afford it, nor does it make sense. And you don't want that $140,000 a year person to be doing data entry, to, being, to be your bookkeeper. So that's why this model is so successful and why it works really well for small businesses. Because if you can't afford $140,000 a year person, well, maybe you can afford $4,000 a month or $2,000 a month, $3,000, whatever it is. And then you can fractionalize and say, okay, well, I know that I need this information, but I only need this high-level work. Maybe it's only 20 hours a month that I have enough work for a high-level person to do. And maybe I'm not there yet that I need a CFO, but I'd like to have one at my fingertips if I do have a really high-level question. So maybe it's having a CFO, you know, half a day a month or three days a month that, you know, are really helping to drive the, the future uh, strategic of, of a company and so then you could take your budget and you can take the three four thousand dollars a month and, and you can have the bookkeeping you can have a controller you can have a CFO so you get two to three four people all doing exactly what they're good at for far less than you would just to hire one overqualified person who isn't going to want to do the lower level work right right are there any other things that you're noticing? I mean, obviously you work with businesses at all size. You've pretty much 
seen all kinds of stories and, and challenges that businesses have had, good and bad. And so are there any things that you see that, that they stumble, like business owners or businesses stumble upon again and again that, you know, you're starting to see a trend out there? Not, there's not one set trend that I'm seeing. I, I think that a lot of businesses manage on a cash basis, which means they don't really, they have swinging margins. So one month they might have a 30% margin. The next month it's a 20% margin. The next month it's a 50% margin. Next month it's 5%. And that means that there's something not right. That means that the books are just on a cash basis and you really don't understand where you're making money, where you're losing money. And that can be sort of dangerous because you really want to know which customers are my top performing customers, which ones am I making, you know, 20%, 30%, 40% margin on, and which ones might I possibly be losing money on. So that's something to really pay attention to is profitability by business segment, profitability by customer, uh, utilization by employee. So I have these employees, are they being fully utilized? Are they spending too much time on administrative activities? Unless, of course, the admin, but... You know, do I have these people that I'm paying salary that are supposed to be billing on clients, but really they're spending a lot of their time doing administrative activities. So that doesn't make sense. So looking at utilization, um, if a company has inventory, I find that sometimes they're not really managing their inventory. They might just do a physical inventory once a year. And that's also concerning. You know, if you're not doing a physical inventory every single month, if you know which products are selling, which ones aren't, so looking at does a blue pot sell better than the red pot? Does the, um, you know, we're talking about maybe a, a landscaping company, you know, are you, mm-hmm. are you um, buying certain types of products that are making you money or losing you money? Um, if you're talking about a restaurant, you know, are, are you buying too much of the pepper jack cheese and not enough of the provolone and then the pepper jack's going bad every single month? Um, you know, it, so it's looking at what are the things I'm buying for my business? What does my inventory look like? Whether it's a restaurant or a brewery or a product kind of company or whatever it is, managing inventory is super important because you need to know which products are selling faster than others, which ones you need to keep on hand and which ones you're making a better margin on. You don't want to sell 90% of your products with a 5% margin, but then 10% of your products you're making an 80% margin and that's what's driving your business. Well, if you don't know that, then you're not able to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to slice and dice things differently. And the, the 90% of my products I would need to have a 20% margin on or a 30% margin on. Um, so people just kind of buy all these different products and they're hoping that they're making money and, and they are probably making money at the end of the day, but they're not making money on the right products that they're selling. And so they're just kind of flying blind. That makes great sense. So that, you know, inventory, I mean, there's so many other things to look at, but I, I mean, really having a good financial professional that's at the senior Senior accounting manager, assistant controller, controller level, just take a look at your balance sheet. Take a look at what's going on with the profitability. Take a look at the where you're making money, where you might be losing money. Looking at those key metrics that I've discussed, having somebody high level is worth its weight in gold because usually that kind of person is going to pay for themselves rather quickly. And not having that person in place that's giving you that visibility into your numbers is costing you more than you think. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like, this is gold. So uh, I would also imagine too, that by having someone like this, that they could also help to forecast for potential taxes that you're going to owe too. And I'm, I'm speaking from like a personal situation where 
we got a surprise at the end of the the year that we were going to owe like a, a large sum of money. And even though we paid for bookkeeping, the bookkeeper never really kind of prepped us for that. And so I guess that's where kind of like a comptroller CFO would be looking to that saying, Hey, this upcoming, like next year, this tax liability that you're going to owe is going to be, this is what it's looking like. I think you should always have a good CPA and your controller or CFO should be the quarterback with your CPA. It's really making sure that that CPA has the right information in terms of estimating taxes. You usually usually want a CPA to do that. I mean, you can have a controller, you know, give you very rough estimates, but there's certain things like R&D credits or lost carry forwards from the previous year or other things that might affect your taxes that that's not your controller's job. And so if you, at the end of the day, if you owe a whole bunch of taxes and you're completely unprepared for that, I wouldn't blame your internal accounting team or your outsourced accounting team. I would blame yourself for not hiring the right CPA <laughs> because you want a CPA who's strategic <laughs> that's looking at that. Gotcha. Okay. That, this, is, this is really good. So um, my question to you, because I know we've been talking about a lot of different topics, is if someone's listening to this and um, if they're anything like me, then I know financials and accounting is probably going to make their head swim. So what might be like the important next steps if they're saying, gosh, I, I don't think I know my numbers or I don't know where to go or what to do or what's the most important thing that I should do. If you could provide, you know, some um, very broad clarity about that. I know every, every case is different and unique, but if you could provide some clarity about that, I think uh, at least I know for me, I, I, having a next steps might be beneficial. I would say look at your balance sheet month over month for 13 weeks or 13 months, I'm sorry, and look and make sure that every single account is moving month over month. And if it's not, you cannot rely on your P&L. It's not going to be completely accurate. And if that's the case, if you don't have somebody in-house or who you're already working with that can make that accurate or that can help talk you through it, then you probably should consider the fractional outsourced accounting model. I'm, of course, happy to help. I can look at somebody's balance sheet in five minutes and tell them what's wrong with it, which I can do all day long. I would love, I kind of find it fun. Um, so people can hire my firm, of course, optimaoffice.com, or you can just Google outsourced accounting and look at a company that might be able to provide you with, uh, you know, a part-time controller, a part-time accounting manager, part-time CFO, whatever it is that you need. And so finding the right resources is, is immensely important. And even if it's 10 hours a month, it's going to drive, it's going to help you drive profitability and, and it's usually going to pay for itself pretty quickly. And just to clarify, um, so a couple things you mentioned when you were saying you should look at your, your balance sheet for 13 months, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you said um, every account should be moving month over month. So account is that's basically like a, a line item of that might have like a, a money or a service or like, you know, printing costs or insurance. Is, is that what you mean by like account? That's going to be your profit and loss statement. So everything, oh, okay. all of your revenue, your cost of sales, that equals your gross margin. And then you've got all your operating costs. You've got your net mm. operating income. You've got extraordinary expenses or income. And then at the end of the day, you've got your net income. 
Okay. So that is your P&L. Right. Those and are like the, those accounts that you're talking about for, for someone like me that's not very educated in this stuff, which I should be, and I'm, I'm learning a lot from you. But um, those accounts, so to speak, are like buckets of other things that basically bubble up into that number. Is that correct? It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a part of your net income. Um, okay. But what you need to look at is your actual balance sheet. So your balance sheet, you can go into any accounting software. Many people are using QuickBooks. You can go into your reports, financial reports, balance sheet, put the period out for 13 months, and then put monthly, so month over month. You want to know your January, your February, your March, your April, side by side. And as a starting is going to be cash. Right, you might have several different cash accounts. All your cash accounts, unless it's petty cash, maybe you don't. Maybe you've got two hundred dollars in petty cash always, but your bank account should always be moving month over month. Right, one month you have X amount of dollars, next month you have another amount of dollars, and the pre and the, you know and so mm -hmm. forth. And then you've got accounts receivable. You might have inventory. You might have other deposits. You might have prepaid expenses. You might have investment accounts. So all of those need to be moving every month. And then the second set is your liabilities. And so your liabilities, your accounts payable is going to change monthly. Unless you never pay any of your bills and you don't want to accrue anything else, then you might have the same accounts payable of a number every single month, but that's pretty unlikely. Um, and then you've got other liabilities. You've got loans. You might have various people that you owe money to. So all of those, you know, those are going to change every single month, especially as you're making payments. Long-term liabilities may not change. Let's say you have $100,000 long-term note that's not due for a year and you're paying the interest on it every single month, well, then that long-term note payable may not change. But looking at each one of those general ledger accounts that hit your balance sheet and making sure that they're moving every single month is really important because assets minus liabilities equals your owner's equity, and part of your owner's equity is your net income. So if you look at your net income, on your balance sheet, it better tie to what's on your P&L. And what I'm suggesting is if that ba those balance sheet accounts aren't moving, then your retained earnings number and your, 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 P your balance sheet might be wrong, which means your P&L might be wrong because your prepaid expense might be off, your accrued expenses might be off. And if those numbers are off, they have a direct impact on your profit and loss statement. Gotcha. Okay. All right. And so they should be looking at those every single for 13 months looking to see those numbers moving month over month um, is what you're saying. And then if they're not moving month over month, then you're saying there's, there's clearly some kind of issue that they need to resolve, right? Correct. And some people might not have any prepaid expenses. There's very few businesses that don't have prepaid expenses, right? You might prepay your dues. You might prepay some subscriptions. You might prepay your insurance. There's things that you prepay, and if you don't have prepaid expenses on the books, but you're prepaying something, that means it's being automatically expensed, which means it's probably wrong. And then if you have, let's say you have a pay time off policy, say you give people three weeks a year, and it's accruing every single payroll, but you don't have accrued expenses and accrued PTO on your balance sheet, well, then you have a huge liability that you don't know about. And that's going to have a direct impact on your expenses. So if, if, some, if let's say, 10 people quit at your company, you might owe $50,000 in pay time off on their final check. And if that's not on your balance sheet, 
as a liability that you owe those people, then you're going to be writing a $50,000 check and you're going to have to be directly expensing that on your P&L. It's going to be a pretty big hit. But if every single month you're recording that accrued pay time off, then when you have to write that check, all you're doing is you're taking that off the balance sheet and you're paying out the cash. And so it doesn't have a P&L impact when you pay it. It should only have a P&L impact every single month as you're accruing it. A and that, and that's where it makes sense that if, uh, if you've got something like this that you're talking about, right, um, and you have PTO that continues to accrue, uh, I would imagine that someone in the organization would be saying, hey, there, there needs to be a reflective bank account balance to account for this, right? Um, because at the end of the day, like you're saying, if someone has to cut a check for something, if they haven't properly accounted for those potential costs, that's where they're going to potentially run into some issues. Well, it wouldn't be a bank account. It would be an accrued expense account on your liability. So it's essentially a wash on your balance sheet because you're going to be uh, crediting cash, which means reducing cash, and then you're going to be debiting accrued expenses, accrued PTO, which is reducing your accrued PTO liability. So oh, okay. gotcha. it's, it's, really kind of, it's really kind of a wash, but what it does affect every single month is your, your PTO liability is continually getting a credit balance and then the debit balance is going on your compensation expense line under these specific employees rather than having it all hit at once. And, and you'd be surprised at how many businesses I go in I'm like, oh, where's your crude expenses on your balance sheet? What do you mean? What does that mean? Oh, you have 50 employees or 20 employees. Don't you have pay time off? Oh, yeah, they, they get two to three weeks a year. Oh, so none of them have any, like if all of these people quit, you don't owe them anything? Oh, well, yeah, we'd have to write them a check for their crude PTO balance. Right, so your balance sheet's wrong because it should have that on your balance sheet that you have this huge liability of all your employees' PTO expense. And then I'm like, oh, God, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I've seen businesses with 150 employees that don't have it right. So it's nothing to be embarrassed about. And it's nothing that a business owner should say, oh, God, my balance sheet accounts aren't moving. Or, oh, no, I've got this issue. Um, it's easy to fix. It happens all the time. You just have to hire the right team and make sure that they're paying attention. And if they're not paying attention, well, then they're not, they're not the right team. Well, so I think that poses the next question, which is I'm sure that people are listening can understand that not only you're passionate about what you do, but you're incredibly knowledgeable. So if, if they want to learn more about Optima Office, if they want to potentially have a conversation to see if you can help them or your business can help them for what their accounting um, and comptroller and fractional uh, CFO needs are, uh, again, how would how would they find you? How could they get a hold of uh, of Optima? Yeah, you know, good question. Thanks. They can obviously go to our website, optimaoffice.com. You can also email info at optimaoffice.com. I actually check that personally. I want to talk to every single new customer. I want to make sure that I have their needs assessed properly. That I can personalize a solution for them. I don't let anybody else do it. I don't care that I have 50 employees. I'm the right person to look at every single new client and make sure that I put the right team in place. So info at, and they can also call our uh, 
283-1234 number. And that gets answered every day, and those messages go right to me. And so there's lots of different ways that people can get in touch with us, and, and I surely hope they do. I would love to help. Well, I know I got value from this, so I'm sure anyone else that's listening um, is definitely going to get value from this. And speaking of that, I know you're very busy. Uh, I know you said you have, you know, 50 employees. Um, you've won a, an incredible amount of awards. Uh, you're a well-respected business in, this, in the greater San Diego and Phoenix areas, um, and you serve well over 100 clients. Um, so I know your time is incredibly valuable and scarce. So the fact that you took some time out of your busy day um, to get on this podcast and have a conversation um, is greatly appreciated. So I want to thank you personally for doing so. Oh, of course. Thank you for the kind words. I, I really appreciate it. It means a lot. And I really am happy to help. You can tell I'm passionate about this. And for me, making an impact and helping small business owners is immensely important. So more than happy to do so. And if there's any follow-up questions, please send me an email and I'm happy to help. Great. Well, thank you so much. Well, that wraps up this month's episode of Business Power Hour. So stay tuned for what's to come next. Thanks so much and have a great day.